This is the Sports Divided Podcast. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth NBA championship, and it's their second three-peat. Second two out, Palmero over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges, throws, out! And the White Sox have won the World Series. To the net, over. Patrick Kane has scored the goal. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. The Cubs They did it. It's over. The game is over. The series is over. The wait is over. And the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. My mother-in-law used to like Willie McGee. Because he used to call that five Irishmen. <laughs> he uh, he still walks the same. He's got yeah, that yeah, little yeah. like. Got that. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yep. Uh, you get guys like that, like Lee Smith. So yeah. still takes Lee, Lee Smith about a half an hour to get into the ballpark. <laughs> All right, we'll get started here. Um, so I forgot. We'll add one little topic on the list that I said, because, oh, I'll just, we'll just start. All right. So uh, I guess we gave the kiss of death to Loyola last week when we talked about how (laughs) Porter Moser will never leave unless it's a, uh, you know, a Michigan, Ohio state, Indiana type of job since Oklahoma came calling, you know, the big basketball school of Oklahoma. Yeah. It came, that came hot real fast right there. You know, I, I expected a little bit more uh, consideration. And that must, it must be an unbelievable check. <laughs> there must be a lot of zeros on that check. Yeah, well, I'm sure it is with uh, those boosters down there. Maybe he just likes the color maroon. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I, I That that one did surprise me. I, I figured it would be I, – I don't know who it would be. I don't know who else has openings that – this point, well, I mean, you know, he's not going to go to North Carolina. Uh, that that happened after uh, his deal uh, took place, I guess, but because they were going to certainly go after a, a former player, somebody with a connection to the program. But yeah, I, Oklahoma. I have, I have to believe he would have been in the hunt for some of the Big Ten jobs. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Why, why wouldn't he? Do that? AKA Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Maroon and gold fits his color scheme. <laughs> No. He just doesn't seem like he fits Oklahoma. I mean, because Oklahoma, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, my history of the Big 8 and the Big 12 and everything with Oklahoma, uh, I mean, I just can't stand them. It, it just a, they're just a smarmy uh, school. And um, it, it just kind of surprised me that, that that's where he ended up. What are you saying? He's not a big enough dick to go to Oklahoma? Pretty much. That's the, that's a good way to translate what I said. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you got Bob Stoops who was there forever and, you know, Lincoln Riley's filling right in for that one. Mm. But well, and I, you know, uh, now here's a story from back in the day, as they say, when uh, Barry Switzer was the, the football oh. coach. And so when I was at uh, Mizzou, I worked in the sports information office and, um, this particular uh, year, uh, my job 
along with another guy, we worked the sideline. So we were on the visiting team sideline. We had headsets and we would tell the uh, press box who made tackles. And uh, so sometime in the first half, uh, we realized that, uh, oh man, it, it's, you know, it's not going through. Something's going on here. And so uh, we tracked down the cord and it had been cut. And uh, so, so, you know, we just stayed down there, watch the rest of the game, but they cut <laughs> the cord because they thought we were eavesdropping on their plays and their conversations. And we were radioing upstairs to the coaches. And uh, the best thing about it, though, was that uh, Missouri won that game one of the very few times uh, that they beat Oklahoma, and it was it was a huge upset. So we got the last laugh. I was going to say, the only way that could end funnier would be as if the Tigers got the win. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise it's not a story, you know, because if, <laughs> if they if Oklahoma beats Missouri like they did so many times, 77 to nothing, then, you know, ho-hum. <laughs> they, they, uh, I'm sure they wouldn't have wasted their time uh, cutting that cable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Porter Moser, it just uh, – I don't, I don't know. Well, Saturday we were together a bit, and uh, I saw this article that – scared the crap out of Matt yeah. that the uh, at the time the article reported that the top five candidates for the UNC job were Tony Bennett of Virginia, Jay Wright of Villanova, um, Mark Few of Gonzaga. Uh, There's one more. And then uh, Matt, you want to break the other one that we thought it was? Yeah, Billy Donovan from the Bulls. <laughs> we, were, we were having a party on Saturday, and Rick comes over with breaking news, and Billy Donovan was the first one listed out of all of them, too. And I was like, oh, my head dropped. I was like, come on. <laughs> Finally get some traction, get the Bulls moving in the right direction, and then just sweep the rug right out under us. You know, it was just. Well, so you know, those college programs pay, pay better than the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that would probably be true. <laughs> It was Matt Painter. Matt Painter was the other guy that was oh, on that Purdue. list. Yeah, yeah I couldn't the think of it. The Bulls, if you work for Ryan's Murphy, you have a lifetime job. Like Matt Paxson. Oh. <laughs> but thank God that didn't come to fruition. God yeah. They work. went – they they kept it in-house. But um, in other big news in Carolina is they got a new QB1 or – at least you would think, you know, they make the trade for uh, Sam Darnold, giving up uh, a couple picks. Not a lot. Not a lot. They got him that move. I would feel great about having a guy with, you know, some potential going for, I, what was it, like a fourth round pick and something and a, else. Sixth so, round, I think. A, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is a 2022 second and a 2022 fourth and a 2021 six round pick which is 226 it's like they got them from the rockets no <laughs> no they would they <laughs> the jets would have also given up the second pick if that was the case yeah which i guess that signals it's uh well two things right uh 
it's the start of the Zach Wilson era in New York. Yes, 100%. And uh, now the uh, Teddy Bridgewater sweepstakes are open. Unless you're an insurance agent, you can't be too excited about that one. If you're Aflac or somebody, yeah, that, that's a good. Yeah, you're more I mean, Bridgewater's better than Foles or Dalton. Not Foles and Dalton combined. Yeah, well. <laughs> no. Uh, a lot yeah, of trickery. My third quarterback. Like, we're, we're, how are we going to? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> the tallest bitch is still a midget. No, I was, I'm just saying, like, I don't know why the Bears made the move for Dalton without seeing how the draft shaked out. Yeah. Could, it's not like they were win, trying to win a bidding war for the guy. But they were probably alluded to think they were, right? Well, that's Pace bidding against himself. Again, yep. Hey, we're going to offer you $9 million. Okay. Actually, you know what? We're going to offer you 10 we, the, Your phone rang again. <laughs> you having a Corolla? Oh, yeah, we'll give you 13 <laughs> But, you know, here's the thing, right? If the draft falls that way that some of these mock drafts are having go where it's Lawrence one, Wilson two, and everybody is saying Mac Jones is the guy for the 49ers at three. I feel like that is such that's, – that's throwing it out there as bait to say that. <sighs> it's like the Mitchell Trubisky all over again. I don't, I don't know. About that. But – but is it? I mean, if like Kyle Shanahan has a big record with got a good record with guys similar to Mac Jones, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo when he's not hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, is it is it that far off to to think that? Yeah, that, that, no. Like that that's a guy? Oh, I guess not. I mean, you really laid out that way. That makes makes pretty good sense. I just feel like Justin Fields is probably the better the better pick there. I wonder, though, what's happened with him because uh, he's, he's not – yeah. yeah, he hasn't been uh, uh, talked about in that group in the uh, top ten. You know, they're talking about him later in the first round, so something must be up. I wonder uh, well, what's going on there. Or – what is it, Dan Orlovsky, the guy on ESPN, was talking about? Like he hears that there's questions about his actual work ethic. Um, like he goes, I've I've been told by more than one guy he's the last guy in, first guy out type of guy, and mm-hmm. that doesn't exactly work for quarterbacks in the NFL. No, well, unless he's heading to a masseuse, though, then it's, it might not be bad. But you know, <laughs> well, but so then you look at it, right? Unless there's a trade at four. Or I don't I don't see Atlanta taking Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they could to replace Matt Ryan, but what would be the point right now? Um, and unless they trade, the Bengals at five aren't taking them. The Dolphins at six aren't taking them. Cardinals at seven aren't taking them. You know who sits at number eight? The Carolina Panthers. Oh. Like so, then you go back to why did they make the move for Darnold? In case it doesn't fall that way. But I'm saying you could have made that move. 
You could have made that trade, I guarantee you, after the fourth selection of that draft. I, I trade day. I, draft night. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Get it lined up and wait for the chips to start falling. Yeah. But, I don't know. It's just some stuff to – it might make this uh, next, what, three weeks, four weeks interesting? Because what is draft day? Draft day is – I think it's the 29th. Sounds right. Yeah, the 29th through the 1st. Now, so, unless, uh, unless they're looking at him uh, as a uh, trade chip, you know. Well, that that's what – so I was listening to – Somebody else on maybe it was one on one ESPN here in St. Louis. They were talking about that. Like, could could Darnold be a like if that does happen? Then they drive Fields. Then do they shop Darnold to? I mean, realistically, Carroll Pete Carroll really likes Darnold at the USC connection. So there's Russell Wilson dangling out there. I mean, Chris Mortensen said that the Bears and Russell Wilson. Rumor isn't dead either. He was saying that they had taught, died down for a bit, but he expects them to pick back up leading up to the draft. So then yeah. the real question is, is why did you sign Andy Dalton? Because you can't be left with nothing, right? Like, well, you can, really what it is, I think. for one year, you could have managed with Nick Foles and what whoever's left after the draft, whether it's Alex Smith or – yeah, that's yeah. true. I'd rather I mean, roll nice in that situation. Yeah, because Foles and Foles and Dalton, you know, that that's a wash. I mean, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and I don't think Dalton would have signed anywhere before the draft, anyways. I don't think he was gonna get a starting spot anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He was gonna sign as a backup. Yeah, I mean, you would have been better oh. off signing Chase Daniel again. Oh. Then my jersey would have been meaningful again. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, stick around. He might still end up back here. Daniel Jersey. He knows the knows the playbook, right? Yeah. Oh, the naggy. God, that's the most overused thing in football. I know. But you know, realistically, the other rumor with the Bears is that they're in talks with the Patriots about a wide receiver. Anthony Miller. Oh yeah, Anthony Miller. Adios. Uh, I think. And what would what would they get? They didn't really. They didn't really say that. It was just Ian Rappaport reporting that uh, he would he wouldn't be shocked if something happened around the draft regarding the Patriots getting Anthony Miller. If they can get a pick back for him. Go. You're gonna draft a wide receiver anyway. Well, that's what. Like, I mean, at what point do they? I don't know. I just think they need to try to get up to get a good wide out. Like, not one that just kind of falls to you. You know. I think the kid out of Florida got, got a shot at getting to him. Tony was it Tony? Um, maybe. Let me see. Possibility. Well, Darnell Moody looks pretty good. Uh, And you still have Allen Robinson, whether you, you know, actually play, you know, sign the franchise tag. So he's going to play or be traded for something. Um, 
And you got Mooney. And Mooney, yeah. Like Mooney. You know, Anthony yeah. Miller never really panned out. He had a you know, he looked good with the flashes, but never was really the guy. And then, you know, he takes That's a swing at another guy and gets ejected and Meaning yeah, one way or the other, he, he's gone. Because uh, he's got to send yeah. that back out on that field, says he's lazy. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd be more than happy to have him show him the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, next to the Bears quarterback situation, the biggest thing for me is the fact that my Wildcats have two guys who are going to be drafted in the first round. Yeah, well, that offensive lineman, he's going top ten. Yeah, he go, yeah, he go, yeah, he can go five. Yeah, it's uh, and Newsom will uh, will go. They say between fifteen and twenty. <clears throat> That's awesome. Newsom is good. Newsom reminds me a lot of Fuller. Well, that's the next guy, Fitzgerald. I mean, he's never leaving, right? Or never say never. Well, it's a- here's the difference. They're paying him five and a half million dollars a year, mm-hmm. so they're paying him to coach a big time program and not a big time program. So, Easy, yeah. don't say never, never, because we saw what we did. We cursed that one. Yeah, yeah. If the Oklahoma job opens up, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so if you look at where the Bears sit, right, and some of these guys that they have going right around them like what would it take to climb four spots do you think well i know there's a formula for all that stuff they they have an actual formula yeah and i think if, if you're not getting into the top 10 i don't think it's that much anymore that's what, so like this this one of these draft predictions has Devonte smith the heisman trophy winner going 16th overall uh, Mel Kuyper's got him going like second or third or something just crazy. Yeah. Well, Mel Kuyper, you know, <laughs> also said Sam Bradford was the most can't miss quarterback he had ever seen. So we all know that how that panned out in St. Louis. <clears throat> but like, okay, so the another question. Like, I know they don't need the help, but are you sold on David Montgomery being a franchise running back? No, no. You always got to draft a guy, right? You got to have a guy. Okay, so how about at nineteen? Would you rather have? Would you rather have Kadadius Tani, the wideout from Florida, or who they have going at nineteen, Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama? Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. Hey, running backs just aren't valued that much. But I'm, I'm just saying, like for the Bears' offense, what would be? With Andy Dalton, you're going to need a good, good running game. And I don't know if David Montgomery and Cohen coming off a knee injury and uh, Damian Washington are exactly going to be what they need. Yeah, Montgomery, I mean, he's been, you know, okay. But, yeah, he's not that guy. Uh, uh, Damian Harris could be. uh, And if I'm not mistaken – uh, I mean, he, he's pretty good out of the backfield catching uh, catching the ball yeah. as well. I think yeah. more so than even running. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I'd rather see them draft an offensive lineman so you can have time to use these weapons. Well, but so that's what they're they're talking about this draft, though. That They're talking this draft is so deep in offensive linemen that you're going to be, be able to get probably a starter in the second, third, even early fourth round. 
So that's why I don't think offensive line is a – there's not a whole lot of them going in the first round, I think, be, unless they think they're going to be like absolute studs going in the top ten type of thing. Like, you know, after after guys like Slater from Northwestern and then uh, – the guy out of Oregon, what is it, uh, Sawali or whatever? Yeah, there's only a couple that are looking to be stars. Yeah. You don't need a star. No. You need a quality starter. Is what you and and that's, that's what they keep saying is in, you know, the late second, third, early fourth round is a bunch of those type of guys. Now, now did you guys see the report earlier this week? Uh, somebody was projecting um, – that the Bears would uh, take a cornerback, and his name escapes me at the moment, but uh, because they lost Fuller, uh, boy, I'm I'm like Matt. I, you know, I, I think they need to go for an offensive lineman because it doesn't matter who you have at running back if you don't, uh, and and who you have a quarterback if you can't protect, uh, if you can't protect the quarterback and you can't block for the running back. Uh, and I, I understand they need to replace Fuller, but boy, oh boy, uh, I'd I'd be concerned if I was a Bears fan. Uh, going uh, uh, cornerback in the uh, in the first round. Unless it's truly a game changer, I don't think that's the position yet. Or they're trying to play to the – or they're trying to play to the Chicago market and take uh, Newsom. <laughs> hey, I, I watch Newsom. Newsom is awesome. I just don't think it has – his position, they have more need. Than, than that, I, I think. Yeah. Newsom's going to be an all, he'll be an all-pro. It's just, matter what, I mean, he's led the Big Ten in, in interceptions, I think, three years in a row. These guys making those one-handed ones last year and stuff like that. So he's he's pretty damn good. Um, and he's physical. And he's been healthy, which is the other, the other thing. He doesn't get hurt. He doesn't get nicked up and stuff. But I as much as I love to see the kid play for North, for the Bears, uh, there's other th- other needs I'd rather see them address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they just they just invested in uh, Jalen John, Jalen Johnson is his name, the other cornerback. Uh, yeah, I mean he he's pretty solid. Uh, I know you I mean, too, but I mean they invested a high pick in him. I believe it was. Well, his his big deal was they they got him. Didn't they get him in the third round or whatever? Because he was hurt all the time. He was yeah. And they took the flyer on him because if he mm-hmm. could stay healthy, he was all that and a slice of cheese, but he couldn't stay yeah. healthy. Yeah, he was out of, right out of Utah. He was second round 50th overall. Right. Yeah. He had was it was it right shoulder he had a right shoulder injury yeah, or something? Like a shoulder missed, thing. Missed yeah, a, he, missed Pro Day and the Combine or something, wasn't that? Because yeah, he was originally projected as a first rounder. But he likes to hit the crap out of people, and eventually, mm. you keep doing it, you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself a little. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, we got a couple weeks for that one, but it'll be an interesting. It, I honestly think it'll be a very interesting two and a half weeks with this, with constant talk about oh what does this mean what does that mean like what happens a lot of, if, a lot of posturing going on right now well I was going to yeah. say what happens if Teddy Bridgewater gets traded to Denver 
sorry, Mizzou and Drew Locke, but like that, that's, it's just more, I don't, I don't, they might not be massive moves and stuff, but I feel like this off season in the NFL is like three off seasons ago in the NHL and what this off season is going to be in the NHL before the expansion draft. Uh, for some reason, like they're going to, people are just going to be shuffling people around because I don't really know why in the NFL, it's not like they're going to have an expansion draft, but. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of moving parts in the next couple yeah. of weeks. And I, I'm, I'm curious. I, I think there might be more uh, trades on uh, draft uh, draft night than, um, than usual. You know, that'll be interesting to see. Well, I was going to say, that's what we were hoping for last year and we didn't get anything. Yeah. It was a snooze fest. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, this will be the year that fireworks happen from the get-go. Well, the interesting thing is, if you listen to all the talking we've done, the one quarterback name that hasn't come up was, was really hot here a few weeks ago, Trey Lance. Yeah. I think his stock is dropping also. Right. It, it, it skyrocketed, right? He was going to go late in the first round, middle of late, and then, then it went up to – he was like one of the top three to go, and then now he's dropping back down. He might be available when the Bears draft, but dude, if he is at that point, you start wondering, okay, why? Or close. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. But I still wouldn't hate to see them go – because, they, you know, last year they passed on Jalen Hurts, and rightfully so. I don't think he's like a – you know. Yeah a great player, but I would feel a lot better going into this year with Jalen Hurts as our starting quarterback than Foles Dalton combo. You know, at least there's some potential there. True. Well, I mean, and, you know, they passed on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and, you know. How do we got to keep doing that? Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. (laughs) A lot of people got to get in line for that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to do a Thursday, April 29th. We'll schedule our podcast now and we can uh, do quick hits. Yeah. We'll, we'll do a little, yeah, quick reactions on on the uh, the draft. Well, the first round is going to be the most, that's going to be the most exciting. Cause it, yeah. You know, it's, it's just, this is quarterback frenzy going to continue. Well, yeah, that's that's what I want to know. Like, our team's gonna panic, and somebody's gonna trade up to like that's what it is, right? So one, two, three are set. Yep. When the Falcons pop up on four, our team's gonna panic and be like, "Oh my god, we gotta go get our guy now!" And yeah. then it's just gonna be a free for all. Or the Falcons are in a good spot. They're yeah, a very good spot. Yeah, they really are. Well, and they could be even a better spot if they want to open up some of their guys for, I mean, let's be real. It's probably about time that they completely rebuild. So when, when do you open up the floor for Julio Jones and, you know, boy, really, what is it? Dante Smith, their middle linebacker, like they can get a haul for the fourth pick. And if they trade Julio who hasn't done that much for really again, they're going to get, they're going to do all right. They could, they, well, it's like, I was reading an article that, the Jets this year and next year now have nine – no, 12 picks it was in the first three rounds in the next two drafts. But if any team could screw it up, that's well, <laughs> Yes. But, I mean, realistically, 
you know, you'd have to screw it up royally, which I get it. They, the Jets could, the Rams could too, but well, and, and let's be real. There's one other team that would probably draft 12 different wide receivers and none of them would stick. And that'd be the Detroit lions. (laughs) But like, if you have 12 picks in two years, all in the top four rounds, even if you hit on half of them, that's six starters that you're paying rookie money for for four years. Yeah, you, you should be all right. Yeah. You should be able to do that by accident. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But but that going back to where, where I was going with that one, like that's the type of draft capital that the Falcons need or need and could get if they, they, get, they might wanted not get, get that money, but they'd be close. Yeah. Fourth pick and Julio, yeah. It would be a uh, interesting, interesting move. Like who? Who would jump up? Bill Belichick for Julio? No, I'm talking about. Oh, for a quarterback? Oh, for, for Fields. Julio. It's interesting though, too, because you know, they've oh, done yeah. that with many wide receivers late in their career and revitalized. I know that Tom Brady helped with that a lot, but. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Brady threw threw a lot of nobodies over his career. They sprinkled the stars in there, but there were a lot of people on that squad. You wondered how the hell they were in football. He got them paycheck. It started with Wes Welker, and then it went to Danny Amendola, and then it was Julian Edelman, and you know now it's Scotty Miller with you know actually good guys but but so we'll move on to uh check in on everybody's predictions a weekend you know the <laughs> overreaction oh here I, i've got a question <laughs> who did milwaukee trade uh, who did they get back for the, the third baseman they sent to the to the braves oh our, when they arcia when they traded yeah. arcia uh they got soroka or what so or the pitchers uh Oh, is that the one that comes with? He, he was all that, and he hasn't been. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Because um, you know Milwaukee, who's trying to pretend to pretend you know, they're contenders, and they take their leading hitter off and send him to the Braves. He goes, "What? It was like a charity case or what?" Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. it wasn't even Soroka. It's Chad Saboka. <laughs> yeah, because Soroka's injured, isn't he? Yeah, I think Sor- Soroka's hurt. I just um, saw the SO and I yeah. I looked at it real quick. I thought it was Matt Soroka and a guy named uh, Patrick Weigel. There's got to be Weigel. something up uh, there. I'm wondering well, what he did to uh, run himself out of uh, Milwaukee. Uh, they ain't got that many hitters on that damn team. <laughs> yeah, to be especially on the infield to be sending anybody to the Braves. You know, who just put one more bat in the lineup? Yeah, jeez. <laughs> That was good timing, though, right before the Cardinals series. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, he's – well, Garcia's more of a – I mean, unless he lights up the Cubs, he's always against the Cardinals. He's always more of a defensive guy. His career is 244 batting average. So, if Dave thinks he's a good hitter, he must just have the Cubs number. Uh, (laughs) He's not a – look at the rest of Milwaukee's lineup where they have. I mean, he's – He's all you know, pretty quiet. He's a quality clutch guy and stuff like that, but and they have nobody to replace him. 
you know, they keep putting these guys in the infield who are for the last five years who are just horrible. You know, what is Wong doing anything for him? I really didn't. I didn't get a chance to pay attention to much of the series. You know, I, I checked his batting average going in. I, I think it was 125, uh, nice. but I, th- I think he had seven RBIs. Um, so, and then they took him out uh, at, yeah, at some so, point. So apparently, Brad Thompson was talking about that. Apparently, he's been having. Uh, so he's always worn contacts, and he's starting oh. to have like the Tommy Pham thing. And Troy Gloss had it here. Like his contacts just, I guess, are making his eyes extra watery, and they're not work. I don't know. So yeah. he's got something going on. Maybe it's just allergies. Maybe he's allergic to uh, all the yeast in the air from the beer in Miller <laughs> Stadium. <laughs> or the brats. Got <laughs> a version. All the grease. All the grease in here. Yeah, it's either they're too watery or, in many cases, having worn contact lenses, uh, maybe too dry. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they, yeah, that, that can be, you know, trying to hit a 100 mile, mile an hour fastball with uh, dry contacts or your eyes uh, tearing up. Yeah, not good. Yeah. So actually, this year he's, so he's hitting 105, three stolen bases, no RBIs, but in spring he oh. had nine RBIs. Oh, no RBI. Oh, okay. Well, in, in spring, uh, yeah, Jack Peterson had nine home runs too. So let's, <laughs> yeah, it'll be the All Star break before he's got nine now. So, but yeah, so on the note of Colton Wong and the Brewers opening day here in St. Louis, he got a nice ovation for his couple gold gloves, and then uh, the guy who got the loudest ovation, Nolan Arenado, came through like you know. Just ho hum in Cardinals history, where he hits the two run homer in the eighth inning to give the Cardinals a three one lead, and Anthony or Alex Reyes comes in, league leader in saves with three, and bada bing, bada boom, Cardinals. Uh, he's what up? He's what back. up on uh, Kimbrough? Yeah, well, you know that that's nice for the Cardinals, and they, and they you know, you got to be happy they're five and five and two, right? Uh, but, um, boy, I don't know. As I'm watching these games or checking on my phone. A lot of strikeouts, a lot of uh, weak contact, and um, I just I uh, Carpenter. Um, really, there's only one team in our division that could they could, in my opinion, right now is hitting. That's Cincinnati. oh, Cincinnati's going bonkers. Yeah. It's, it's right, right now, that's a that's a scary proposition. That's there, but you you got to get them off a winning streak. I, I think they're like on the edge between blowing it up completely or or going for it. And I think if because a lot of their deals that are up are up this year, yeah, but they don't have anything to put in packages to go for it. Like their team's their team. Yeah, they that's it. They don't have mm-hmm. they don't have much of prospects to. Uh, yeah, so they can't give up who they have on their team because then they don't then they don't have their team. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the only good if thing. They're, if there's sub five hundred at the trading deadline. I think you'll see a clearinghouse there. Oh, yeah. I just meant that as, like, if they are in the race, they don't have any pieces to go add whatever their hole is, which is, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at their team, it's I would assume by the time they're halfway through the season, it's their rotation and bullpen since. Well, yeah, Sonny Gray will be hurt. You yeah. know, well, it's not even just that. Like, <laughs> you know, besides Castillo and Gray, like, I haven't heard – of one of their starters before after, I mean, even though they, the two guys threw good against the Cardinals, but like. Yeah. If you're scoring 10 runs a game though, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, true, true, but you know, it it's a uh, dicey, dicey. Uh, well, I mean, the thing Angels, with them. If you look at this, we were all pretty high on the Angels, or at least wanted to be. They're four and two, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that, and they're. Thanks for the White Sox. They've got to stay healthy. There's there's no question, but they they got a shot. The Astros looked better than I thought they were going to be. Yeah. Uh, Didn't some Sox, of us pick the A's? Did any of us pick the A's? Because they got off to a real slow yeah, start. Yeah, they won at six. I saw yeah. that. The Sox are kind of how I thought they were going to be a little bit. And the fact that when you get to three and four and five, it's not uh, not three. Well, not so much three, but four and five pitching. Yeah. We're about three. Three went today. Home opener. So Lance Lynn going nine strong, 11 strikeouts, gave up no run. Well, he's going to have to because Keiko doesn't look like doesn't look like himself. Giolito doesn't look like himself right now, which is kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, right now, right now, Lynn looks like the best pitcher on the team. Yeah, that may not last. That may not last, but it's. Yeah, he may not be the best pitcher, but he'll be. Lynn will be the most consistent pitcher uh, by the end of the season. Man, watch Cease do what he did for five years and becomes minors, and since he's been with the Sox, he just the man just cannot throw a strike. I mean, he sometimes he (laughs) it's just a mental block, and he. And he doesn't miss by a little. He, he doesn't even give the umpire a chance. <laughs> you know? It reminds me, the, the Cubs had this they kid Underwood. Same thing. He's throwing 99 or 100. But, you know, there were times he'd throw 12 pitches in a row out of his own. I mean, it's just, you know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? So they finally let him go. Ricky well, Vaughn. Ricky Vaughn. So there you go. The real question is, is, how far off are three of us going to potentially be on our NL MVP if he's seriously hurt? He's getting an MRI today. Tatis. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Tatis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Now, what I read, though, was that uh, they, they said he doesn't need surgery, but was that pre-MRI or post-MRI? I just saw something that he was going to get an MRI. They scheduled him to go get an MRI today, so I didn't see anything after that. Yeah, I thought I heard torn labor, but I think that maybe was a little, little early to, to know for sure. So, that, oh, that so it's hard. so it's not serious. <laughs> <laughs> well, he can't pitch anymore. His pitching days are over. Darn. And and, and there was the one you know, there was the one other thing that opened my eyes a little bit. I don't remember big on a lot of the guys that come over here from Japan. You know, very few have worked out to be that well. That Otani is the real freaking deal when he's out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Shoney Showtime. That should be his nickname. He hit a couple of balls. I watched a couple of those game, parts of those games against the Sox. He was hitting everything on the screw. It was like, it was just unreal. You know, and then he pitched really well. I was going to say, that's the thing. He DH'd, then pitched, and then DH'd the next game again. <laughs> you he, know, uh, like. And like, like they said, he could be the first ever guy to qualify for the Cy Young and the most valuable player. Yeah. He's the first ever to what? Hit a home run and then throw a pitch over 100 miles an hour? Yeah, first one, yeah. yeah. The home run was like 116 or something when it left. That one he, that one he crushed. And he's, then he's throwing 100-mile-an-hour fastballs on the corner. I mean, it's like 
Wow. And he looks effortless. It looks like it just like he's not even putting the effort in. It just flows. I was impressed with him. It's that lanky, whippy arm he's got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But how far off are we on the AL East? I mean, the Baltimore Orioles and the Boston Red Orioles, Sox. The Orioles start good last year. No, I don't think so. Last year or the year yeah, before? I don't think so. I don't know. They'll fall off here soon, though. Well, yeah, I, I'm not anticipating them to be around. Well, I didn't mention it at the time, but I was like this close to picking the Orioles. Um. <laughs> well, here's well, if you look at the East, though, Rick. <laughs> You're talking about the last place team is a game and a half out. Oh, oh I know. I was I was just joking because you know, like you got guys that we teams that we thought were going to be bad, aka the Miami Marlins, one and six, the uh, Pirates, the Pirates, who the Cardinals have not got the pleasure of playing yet. Like the Cubs have played four times now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, saying, the Pirates are saving their good games for you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> The way it usually works out. You know what's yeah. gonna happen. They're gonna be one in ten. They're gonna sweep you or something. So, yeah. Oh, you know oh, that'll happen. happen. Yeah. And then the yeah. di- the Diamondbacks are two and five. So you know. But who would have who would have saw that coming in the AL East? You know. All three teams that we had going to the playoffs are bottom feeders. And the Twins are off to a five and two start as usual. Yeah. Nelson Cruz is hitting everything in sight. How about did you guys see that the home run the grand slam he hit? No, I, I saw didn't see it. One of the most Nelson Cruz things ever, right? So the first pitch comes, he hits one probably four hundred and thirty feet. They call it a home run, they review it, they call it foul. Very next pitch <laughs> goes a little dead center, like four forty. <laughs> Like, <laughs> and you figure what was it? Two weeks before the season, he was unsigned. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's crazy. That's he was crazy. sitting out there waiting for somebody to offer him a contract, and and he ended up back with the Twins. I mean, there's a lot of teams got to be going. What the hell are we thinking? Well, you yeah. know, I was hoping and praying the White Sox would have signed him because it would have taken him away from the Twins, and then we would have had him. But I mean, look at our position right now. Mm-hmm. Your men, Mercedes. Man, oh, yeah, was that an unbelievable? Yeah. Eight for eight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the kid's not young either. I think he's like twenty-seven or twenty-eight. Now, uh, yeah, I think twenty-eight. Tell yeah. me that's tell me that's not the most Tony Larusa move ever. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I it, it, he's exactly. It feels like a Cardinals organization, right? You just scoop this guy up that's been sitting there and you know fills in a hole with somebody else left and yeah, comes out of nowhere. You never heard of him. And if and if he leaves, he'll suck again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. How many many of the Cardinals guys that that carried those teams in small roles when they went to another team just absolutely reeked? Yeah, like the the Scalso. It's not like, you know, I mean, we we like to sometimes trade damaged goods, Alan Craig, for, you know, guys like John Lackey that produce. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's it's – it's not so much that, you know, we, they just suck. We just get rid of them at the right time. You know, it's just, we can see their downslide, their downslide. And... <laughs> Isn't that the most important scouting though, is internal scouting. That's really, yeah. you got to know your own players before, you know. Boy, absolutely. Yeah. Something the Cardinals are, you know, about to tutor pretty good at, you know, you got now 
do they still miss? Yeah, we should have no issues in right field. We should have Randy Rosarena a potential. Yeah. And think about Luke Voigt, you know, yikes. Well, I mean, I'm okay because we got Goldschmidt on that one. But when you look at our outfield situation and you gave up Randy Rosarena because the uh, higher-ups got mad that he went on Instagram Live after they beat the uh, – the Braves and uh, Mike Schilt was quoted as saying, way to go. We beat the living shit out of them. Uh, you know, he went on Instagram live and that was all over social media. And then that off season, he just happened to get traded. So he got traded because of that. I mean, let's be real. John Moselock and Bill DeWitt are pretty old fashioned oh. probably. Oh, geez. But that, I mean, they didn't say that's why, but no, but of course they wouldn't. But why yeah, else that doesn't would you, surprise me? You know, you gave up Randy Rosarena and Jose Martinez for Matt Lebator and uh, Ivan Herrera. Yeah. I mean, they got rid of FAM because FAM was outspoken and, you know. What? So FAM's, FAM's deal isn't horrible because you got Genesis Cabrera and then also he did well in spring, Justin Williams. He hasn't got a hit yet hmm. in the majors yet, but you know, plays a good defense in right field. If that counts for ah, yeah, what's his name? Bader. <laughs> well, at least Bader. If Bader, Bader. Just, yeah. if Bader just figured out if he's he's Willie Mays Hayes, just put the ball on the ground and beat it out, he'd be fine. Yeah. And but meantime, no, it's fine that he's hurt. You know, yeah. that, that's okay. You know, he's on the. Uh, disable this injured reserve whatever we're calling it these days uh yeah so i'm fine well yeah i mean you're you're taking us back to the jersey on my right shoulder when you got a young rookie center fielder that's switch hitting with some power like dylan carlson playing center field right now Mm -hmm. you know three bombs and uh watch out seven rbis i think no nine rbis i should be more than that now yeah grand slam solo bomb and a two uh three run homer you know Watch out, rookie of the year. Not, I'm not saying anything, but just yeah, another no, yeah. no, another ho hum guy that uh, second round draft pick that's turned into one of the elite prospects. But, but, you know, back to Lance Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, me and Matt. Oh Lott- no, yeah. no doubt. <laughs> me and Lance or me and Matt watched the game when he started in Anaheim. And I told Matt, I said, he throws, he threw a slider. I said, he'll throw the next four fastball, fastball, fastball. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. It's just, it's the way he is. No, I mean, you, you just, you very rarely ever see him throw anything but a fastball and it's a four seam fastball. <laughs> That's what I, he struck out tr- Mike Trout twice. And I told Matt, I said, he threw a slider away one time just to get him back high and tight with a fastball and both times, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty amazing watching him pitch because, uh, you know, it, it just defies logic that you can throw so many fastballs in the major league uh, and, and be successful. And he is. And because he's, and it, cause he's not throwing uh, 98 or hundred miles an hour either. No, his fastball was about 90. I think that night, 95, 94, 95, but like I was telling Matt, I go there. Mu- he must have a lot of late movement on it because yeah. he is literally mm-hmm. throwing like their belt high, and it's like here yeah. you go, hit it, and guys can't hit it. Yeah, it's been that 
way for years, you know, and yeah, it's got to have some sort of like late jump or, or movement. Cause otherwise, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it's not batting practice fastball, obviously, but, uh, yeah, he's throwing meat up there. It's like, Hey, here you go. <laughs> and he gets away with it. <laughs> and when sometimes he, I don't know, maybe it's also his motion because it looks like sometimes he blows guys away with it too. Like, that's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. Maybe it's just the fact that they're like, okay, he's throwing me seven fastballs in this nine, nine pitch at bat. There's no way I'm getting another one. And then, oh, all of a sudden, here comes the, <laughs> yeah, the and then you're late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, that, that that I think that was a great uh, a great move by the White Sox. Yes, paying dividends right now. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, not just for what he brings on the mound, but he also brings the element of. I mean, he's a everyday professional to be able to teach guys like Giolito and Kopech. It went, you know, like all these young guys that they have to teach them the right way to do it and go about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And his, uh, his yeah, his approach is, I mean, he's just, you want him on, he's the kind of guy you want on your team. Mm-hmm. And um, he just goes out there, takes the ball. It's all cliche stuff, but he takes it every, you know, five days, bam, puts his at least seven innings in and uh, gives you a chance. And that can't be understated either. You know, the, the everyday um, going out there and giving you seven strong, then, you know, your bullpen has that to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Rest up. And you go to today, he goes nine, you know, everybody sits. Not that you needed this early in the season, but, man, if he does this late in the season, that's huge. Yep. And he was a guy we missed last year. We needed a really needed a third starter. Uh, well, you got to the playoffs, and you, you had you, they wouldn't even give him all the seats. Yeah, gassed out. Yeah, and we put Dane Dunning in there and pull him after his first batter. Yeah, what the- talk about freaking somebody out, right? Like, <laughs> and then you trade him. Well, whatever. <laughs> right. I mean, so in thirteen. 13- in two thirds of an inning, Lynn has 17 strikeouts and a whip of 0.95. Yeah. He's given up one run, and that one run was because Luis Roberts thought it'd be a better idea to catch the ball with his forehead instead of his glove <laughs> with two outs. He was doing his, he was doing his Aloy imitation out there, was it? Yeah, homage oh, to Aloy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. He's Lance Lynn hasn't had a bad career for a uh, compensation pick of 39th overall by the Cardinals in mm-hmm. uh, 2008. Yeah, that's pretty good. You look at some of these guys like him, and you or you look like you look at Hendricks when the, the Cubs pulled him off of Texas's roster, and he was basically a th- almost a throw-in, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and you wonder how these guys stay hidden for as long as they do, and yeah, and then they come out and they just all they do is win. You know, it's yeah, forever. Well, you, you don't throw uh, upper nineties. You know, you you do you don't get a look and you're not taken seriously. You know. Yeah. Well, it's not always about stuff. You know, it's it's about character. And I look at Mark Burley, same kind of thing. You know, like I don't know when when he was. I don't even know when he was drafted, but it was late. Like, but you need to get those guys that just know how to win, want to win, and just compete. 
there's no, that's, that's what they call the intangibles, right? You know, that's not on paper. It's just uh, mm -hmm. what you got inside. Well, yeah, there's no, there's no substitute for whether you want to call it desire or, you know, heart or that like never, never say die type of attitude. Never stop, never stop. Yeah. Hey guys, you, you think back to some of the guys over the years, and you know, some of them, it seems that the Cubs got to be you know, a lot of times at the middle or end of their career or whatever. Like the guys like the Juan Pierre types, and everywhere he went, all he did was lead the team in hits, lead the team in stolen bases. And again, first guy in the state ballpark, last guy to lead. Mm -hmm. He was never going to be the guy that was going to cost you a game because he was unprepared. Yep. You know, it's. We, you just got to find those guys, you know, uh, you know, or you, you look at a Zobrist or somebody who's, you know, he's just, when his career is over, he's just going to look like a very, very average ball player. Yeah. And he got a couple of rings with different teams and he was instrumental in both of those teams. When it's, mm -hmm. <laughs> so night no coincidence on, on the Cubs that their lineup failed the mesh the minute Zobrist wasn't playing anymore. Yeah. Well, you think about uh, hockey. I mean, you know, t teams that win the, the cup, you know, uh, certainly you have to have your superstars, your really good players, but it's, it's those uh, third and fourth line players that uh, make the difference when you win the cup. It's a, that, that kind of thing. It is. So uh, 1998, 38th round, 1,139th overall out of Jefferson College, Jefferson Community College was Mark Burley. 1,000? 1,139th. That's pretty amazing. Out of Jeffco. Out of Jeffco. Not even Lindenwood University. Jefferson Community College. Does that even exist anymore? Yeah. It's actually it's actually like probably the that's probably the best baseball school in St. Louis, college-wise. Oh my gosh. But wow. um it's just not a four-year university. So guys mm -hmm. go there and then they move on. I don't know the last time they had a guy drafted out of Jefferson Junior College, but, you know. Well, because usually they end up somewhere else beforehand. Exactly, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, made his major league debut at the age of 21 on July 16th, 2000. And never pitched for the hometown team. <laughs> that's a, that's sad a little bit, you know. Yeah, that's kind of a kind of a cardinal tradition, you know. Uh, Burley, Scherzer, you know, if you're from St. Louis, you you just you're prohibited from pitching for the Cardinals, you know. Pitching, yeah, you know. Hitting, you know, we might find a way to get you in there, Bernard Gilkey. Yeah, or we'll get rid of you, Luke. Yeah. Boyd, so. <laughs> <laughs> Or have you be a uh, iconic member of MLB history, David Freeze? Yeah, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of trades and uh, acquisitions, the NHL trade deadline is uh, Monday. So happy and said that. I see the Hawks and Blues sit in very similar positions in that third place in their divisions. Uh, are, out of, are not within the window anymore at this point. 
you're 10, 12 points back in, in those. The but, only thing with the Blues in the third place division is we play Minnesota seven more times. So that's yeah, so a they, total they of 14 them. points. That's the only if, – if it was anybody else that we didn't play seven more times, I would say it's out of reach. But technically, I would say it's – Yeah, you, you have that in your control. Yes, um, yes. Now, that being full- said, even if the Blues won 14 points out of them, Minnesota might win enough games to – you know, keep yeah. themselves afloat above it. But but in the meantime, you got, the the coy- took- you got to catch the Coyotes, right? For yeah. right we, now. Have, we have a game in hand on the Coyotes. We play them one time, and we're three points back. Yeah, and you're three points back. We're two points back of Nashville. Same games. Yeah. Well, the question we, you have to we ask. We can't beat Nashville. That's, that's the problem. Yeah, and, and the, the question for the Blues is, uh, you know, are you going to beat – uh, in the playoffs, are you going to beat Vegas and uh, Colorado in two straight series? Uh, if if you make the playoffs, probably not. Uh, you know, I, I don't see that happening this year. Um, well, your division, so. your, your division sits. I mean, it's very similar to ours. And you look at those top three teams, and, and they're damn good. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> you know, the only team that the Hawks tend. I mean, the Hawks play much better against Carolina than they do against. Nashville. I mean, uh, well, the record Carolina is that awful, you know, but Nashville, we just, something happens. It's just the light, the brain goes out and they cannot play against them. I was going to say, and it looks like it might be five points because the Hawks are down 4 1 in Nashville. Oh, yeah. They're, I've heard the booing on uh, hockey horns for the last uh, 10 minutes. <laughs> well, Nash, Nashville's up 3 1 over Detroit also. So yeah. now you're down four points. Yeah, you're still you're still there, and you're still you know they rushed Doc back, you know a little bit. He got his first goal the other day and stuff. I mean, uh, you know Tays. I mean there there isn't even any word. Hinnis Rosa coming back. All that tells me is that Shaw's done. What what is the trade? What did the trade today uh, tell you? Which one? Uh, for the Blackhawks, uh, uh, the Blackhawks got a guy that I'm kind of scared of in a couple of years, and they took on some cap to free up uh, a potential. I wouldn't be surprised if the Blues trade Mike Hoffman back to a place that he has had success in Florida, and the Hawks yeah. ate about two and a half million dollars to free up some cap space. So maybe that could happen. Yeah, um, Black- Blackhawks deal is uh, they. They got Brett Conley, a young defenseman named Riley Stillman, a forward named Henrik Bokstrom out mm-hmm. of Denver, who is a high-level skill, but hockey sense is not there. But he's got a lot, a lot, a lot of skill. And he could, uh, if he figures it out, he could be very scary. Yeah, and, and they gave up uh, Lucas seven. Carlson and Lucas Walmark. Yeah, and they also so got no, us. So, so no, no huge. No, no, no. The, so no the, big names. The Hawks yeah. were already out there saying that um, they would use their cap flexibility to help them out in the long run if the assets permitted themselves. Yeah, because I did, did. You know, they also uh, signed Hardman. Uh, there and he's a size wise, a guy they could really. I mean, basically, he's Jonathan Tay size wise. And they, you know, they're so small at center, 
you know, they, they really do need some help and stuff like that. It'll be interesting to see. They signed him to do a two-year deal, and they're going to burn year one this year already. I mean, so they're he's either going to work out or he's not and stuff. But, uh, you, know, you know, they seem to be fairly high on him. He had a good career at Boston College. Supposed to have good hockey sense, and, and he's physical, which is we need another guy in front of the net. You know, that's where Pete Suter's done so well as a rookie is he's willing to go to the net. And so he's, he's got some skills, without question. But he'll get out there and, you know, take the cross-check in the back and stuff like that and go to screen the goalie. So it's, you know, I give him a lot of credit. They're trying to rebuild on the fly, and they're, they're taking some flyers on some things that they don't all have to work out. I mean, you're not, you're not that far away if, you know, Lincoln is the real deal. If, if that, that's the whole He's got to be. The super tricks on that. And there's nobody in the pipeline. So, and it's so hard to go get a goalie. Anyway, I mean, you, you've got to, you really got to find a team that's got two, and then you're going to get the older one. Or the more expensive cap hit one. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, if, if Lincoln is the, is the real deal and he shows flashes of that without question, They'll be all right. They'll get there. They'll get back quicker than I thought they were going to. There was, there was, they were teetering there for a minute where, you know, they could have gone Detroit on us. <laughs> but so back to Borkstrom, right? He's he's the guy that I would tell you would be the, for what the Blackhawks got back, he's the centerpiece. Yeah. Um, 2016, 17, his junior year at Denver University. 37 games, 22 goals, 21 assists, 43 points. His senior year, 40 games, 23 goals, 29 assists, 52 points. Then he went, obviously came out pro, four games with the Panthers in 17, 18, one goal. The next year, his actual rookie year in 50 games on a bad, bad Panthers team, eight goals, 10 assists. Um, then played in the AHL for 24 games, had five goals, 17 assists, 22 points. Last year, or 1920, played four games with the Panthers, 41 games in the AHL, had 23 points. This year, he's over in uh, Helsinki in the sweet, uh, Finnish Elite League, 27, uh-huh. 27 games, 11 goals, eight assists. So 19 the Blackhawks love that league. You know, that's 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 Pew Suter, that's uh uh what's his name? Uh, you're from last oh god, my brain's just out to lunch. Uh the left wing with all the goals last year. Kubalik? Yeah, not having a bad year again this year. They're he's all scoring, coming out he, of that same league. He's well, so if you look at the hierarchy of the leagues, right? So you have the the way it is NHL. And then KHL, AHL, and Swedish Elite League, and then La Liga. That's your top five. So, so it's not – I mean, it's – if you're put – and La, La Liga is usually younger guys that, you know, are trying to prove that they can play a adult version – adult game, but teams can use that over there as like a uh, – more skill type thing instead of putting them in the AHL to groom. So that's the way they use like the Swedish elite leagues and the Finnish league. 
Yeah, I'm happy. Most of the guys that we've brought over from there have panned out. I mean, and of course, there's Panarin at the top of that list. Yeah. Which, you know, if the Blues would have just listened to Tarasenko when he told them, hey, you should go get this guy, maybe the Blues had a cup before 19 with Tarasenko and Panarin, but didn't work out. They thought he was too small. Well, yeah, the Blackhawks home with a small player. Yeah. I mean, you'll get to break you had to break it having another really, really good year again. Big thing with Debrinket that impressed me this year is is his assists and stuff. I mean, he was uh when he had the 40 goals, he was kind of a one trick pony. So was Panarin though first year here. You know, he, he's just waiting for that, you know, the one timer coming over there and they, they had enough school to bury it, but you know, Panarin turned into a guy that's pretty good at assists now too, like Debrinket has. So, but you can't have too many of those guys on one team. We had we had them and we had Taravainen and we had Henestroza. I mean, this was this was like a midget league. Well, I remember when Taravainen came up and they were trying to say he was going to be the next Brett Hall. Well, which you know, unfortunately, we had a coach that just did not like him. <laughs> he was he was a little soft for Glenville, and that and that bought him a ticket out of here in a hurry. I mean, well, he's it also star, but he's, he's, you know, he's, I mean, was it that as much or was it they had to use him as the ticket to get Bickle's contract out of there? Well, they he, went together. But, but they wouldn't have done it if if his ceiling was higher. He I mean, he's got to he's got to be free with nobody on him to be effective. He's not gonna. He's not gonna create his own in a crowd. I mean, none of these guys are even as physical as Kane. I mean, that's. that's I'll tell you, and Kane's not physical. Yeah, he's not physical. <laughs> so, but he's not paid to be physical. That don't even hurt. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, like you said, both on the outside looking in right now, but close enough to. Yeah, just got to put a little streak together. That's all. Well, yeah, and today, the Blues yesterday, the Hawks today, how much one game right before the deadline could change the perspective of what you're going to do at the deadline also? Like, right, so the Blues went on and beat Vegas 3-1. Oh, you freeze. You back, Rick, or no? Yeah. No, yeah, you're you froze back. up there for a bit. Yeah. You froze. Great. I just had this big spiel, too. You guys probably didn't hear <laughs> anything, right? Somebody somebody censored it. <laughs> well, so what I was saying was, is how big of a difference the game right before the deadline really is, right? So the Blues, they are, all the talk was, oh, the Blues are going to sell off Bozak <laughs> and sell off Hoffman, maybe Schwartz, maybe – done yada 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 they and then they go out and i wouldn't say handily beat vegas but beat vegas you know they look like the old blues of last year and before pre-covid blues and now the talk is okay well they're gonna probably still ship out hoffman but what defensemen are they gonna go to get to help with the run and like a 4-1 loss like this for the hawks could be more of a all right yep packing it in who we selling yeah, but the game right before this, they dominated yeah. uh, Dallas. I mean, they, I mean, Dallas was never in that game. It was, it was, 
I, I haven't been able to watch today's to know whether or not. I mean, the Hawks lost that one game last week where they outshot uh, whoever it was by 30 shots. You know, and it just, you know, a couple of crossbars, a couple of this, a couple of that, a few extra penalties. And, and voila, you dominate the game, dominate ice time, dominate face. They won every facet of the game, almost two to one, and lost the game. You know, I mean, it's, you're going to get one of those once in a while. But, you know, and Dallas pretty good team. I mean, that's why I was surprised we dominated the way we did the game before this. But Dallas, see, that seems to be there. If you look at them this year, they everybody's been talking about it. they had all those games in hand. Some of those are starting to go away, and they're still a 500 club. Yeah, it's a tough call. I mean, what, what do you do? Because, uh, you know, all these games are in the NHL are close. Uh, I mean, most of them. I mean, you know, the, even the, the games – the, the Blues lost to uh, Vegas uh, three times over the last couple of weeks, 5-1, 5-1, But the, the two 5-1 games were uh, two to one games in the third period. And then you pull the goalie, you give up. Yeah, it, empty net yeah. goals and that sort well, of thing. It was, it was just like a 10-minute yeah, span where in one of those games, Vegas scored three goals in five and a half minutes. And it was like, okay, now it's just airs out. Yeah, I mean that, that was a, the six to one game was was not close, but the the other five to one games were not five to one games, and so uh, you know it's not like you're the Blues. You're looking at this like you got to blow it up. On the other hand, yeah, I mean, what, but what do you what do you do uh, if you want to make the playoffs and if you want to do well in the playoffs? Then what are your moves? Uh, I and I I don't know what that is because they've had. Uh, I think their deal is they've had so many injuries. And they just haven't had the uh, uh, the, the lines uh, set for the year, uh, and not to mention, uh, you know, forget the injuries. But uh, you know, you're going into the season. You lost Petrangelo. You're bringing in Krug, um, and so you have a lot of adjustments. And uh, you know, Falk this year is playing great. Uh, last year it was like, oh my God, why we get this guy? Uh, so you wonder if that's the case with Tory Krug as well. And so. I don't, I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure what you have with the Blues. I think you, know? you got to look. You got to look at all that stuff, like you said. You know, for the Hawks, you got to look at the fact they opened the season. You talk about lines not being settled. They opened the season by the day before opening day. Their top three centers were all out. Now, mm-hmm. so, one of which ne- had never come back. You know, a Hall of Fame center, and then you got Doc, who's the future, and he missed, you know, over half the season. So how do you set your line? You know, it's the same thing and. So you water down, you know, you're taking a winger and putting him in the center, you know, now you're taking away his straight. I mean, you to be able to survive all those, if you're young enough, and I think both teams are probably young enough to you, you keep rebuilding. If you miss the playoffs by a point or something like that, yeah, it sucks and stuff like that. But you don't blow it up and, and mm-hmm. drop back another two years again and stuff. If you're young enough where it's you know, we get this guy back next year. We get this guy back next year. These guys, these guys all put one more year in the NHL on them. You, yeah. you got, you got to stick to it. Now, if you're, if you're down where you know, Minnesota, or Detroit, or any of those are, you know, you just, I don't know, what the hell you do? Yeah, I mean, there are teams that yeah, they need to not not necessarily blow it up or they're they're rebuilding. Uh, I think you're also you know like teams like the Hawks. Um, I think even if the Hawks make the playoffs, they're they're not going to win the cup. Um, but, but now the, the blues, I'm not so sure about, uh, you know, cause they, they have many of the same pieces that they had from two years ago. And if you get on a roll, 
you know, who knows? Well, it all depends. It depends on one position. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's so. Bennington had a big game yesterday, and for the first time in a year and a half, he had a press conference where you're like, "Oh, does he have his attitude and swagger back?" Because he got mm-hmm. asked the question, and he turned to the reporter and he just said. Yeah, I'm getting tired of you guys always asking the same questions about goals. So I'm just mm-hmm. done giving them up. And they mm-hmm. said something else. He goes, yeah, whatever. We're coming for you. Yeah. Just like he had that like chip back on his shoulder type. Like it just mm-hmm. felt like that in the interview. So we'll see if it carries yeah. over to this weekend or if, if it's a one, or if it was a one-time thing. Because, I mean, so the Blues – I, I would tell you they outplayed Vegas last night, even though they gave up 50 shots. They gave up 17 shots on the power play, and Vegas mm-hmm. did not score a power play goal. Yeah. No, the Blues, the Blues, uh, especially the first period, the Blues uh, were the better team. Uh, yeah. Not so much second period, and then they, uh, they, you know, they hung on to win in the third. But, uh, yeah, and, and Bennington won the game for them. Yeah. On the other hand. Well, that, if what, you go back to your cup year, how many games did he win? Yeah. I mean, when we're goalie yeah. wins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you well, know, and then he, gotta, he was the, whoever wins the cup, you, you're going to, you got to have a yeah. fair number of goalie wins. Yeah. It's, it's the goalie. Uh, now, on the other hand, what concerns me about the Blues is that uh, they had a lot of, as Eddie O would say, a lot of grade A chances and they did not bury him. Uh, I mean, that, that, uh, now part of that, you, you credit Flurry last night, but Flurry uh, was Blues also very good. Yeah, he was. He was very good. I mean, but the Blues could have had three, four, or five more goals, and and that game's not even close. Yeah, well, um, that's that's me and my dad talked about it this morning. Like that game, without Flurry making some of his stops and Bennington making his stops, that could have easily been a eight-seven type of yeah. final score. It was yeah. that type of like grade A chances both ways type of yeah. game. Yeah, that was a five-four, seven-six, eight-seven game. Yeah, uh, if not for the goalies. Um, so, uh, but yeah, but like you said, we'll we'll see. You know, this uh, does it translate because now they got uh, two games, three games back to back Minnesota. with Min- yeah, back to back Minnesota with Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. So that now and then now back we'll to see. Minnesota. Yeah. So but, uh, I mean, so if- back to your point about man man games missed. So last time we did this, right? The Hawks had more man games missed than the Blues. Well, the Blues are now the f- number one team in man games missed with 264, and the Hawks have 261. Yeah, that's just crazy. So you're, looking at, you're looking at two teams that have been kind of decimated this year. Mm-hmm. Well, and, <laughs> you know, but the thing for – so the thing still. for the, the Blues, that only has one guy. So the Blues have played 39 games. So take out 39 of those games for Alexander Steen. But it has both – Taves and Seabrook in there for you guys. So take out another 80 it, for guys that you knew weren't going to be in there type of, right? So, well, you didn't, you, you, know, you didn't know anything about Taves. I mean, Taves was a, no, a, but a I mean, you knew, Seabrook you knew, but I'm saying you knew about Taves going into game one of the playoff or game one of the, of the season, yeah, but, but only about a week before that. You, you yeah. Knew yeah. Yeah. Game. No, but I, I'm just saying, I'm, my point is, is like, for the Blues, minus 39 of them, have all been guys that you were on opening night saying you're in my in my lineup or you're on the taxi squad right then and there. Like you're not waiting to see of a medical clearance like Taves type of thing. Yeah. Which like you said, sadly, I think he's done. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it's criminal. But yeah, if he was going to play, I mean, he played. You look at that that playoff series and stuff like that. I mean, he was one of the reasons they won. I mean, he played extremely. He played as well as he's played in three years. Yeah, him and Crawford, really. <laughs> and, and Crawford played well, also. Yeah, I mean, he was, mm-hmm. wasn't great, but he played well. He won one game. Oh. Yeah, I think there was a there was a game. I think he you give it a goalie win. I would agree. Mm-hmm. But to kind of like Keith's point about the Blues and like not knowing if you're gonna actually win a series, Doug Armstrong has done a good job since he's been the Blues GM with. Yeah. 2018, the Blues were in the same exact spot. They were two points out with about 19 games left. And he traded Paul Stastny. And his answer was, well, I have to be honest with myself and I have to hold our team and make sure we're competitive for years to come. I'm not going to risk our future. I froze again, damn it. <laughs> I knew I... <laughs> I knew I froze. I saw it. I'm like, I just, I just went on a nice rant. So, what did you guys hear? Where did it cut off? Nothing. We filled in the blanks, and, and we knew. Yeah, it was like uh, he's just so, talking gibberish again. So, yeah. so what I was saying was, is Doug Armstrong has done a good job of being real with himself about like what's going on with the Blues. Um. And he was quoted when he made a trade in 2018 of Stastny as saying, like, I have to be real with myself and the organization. I can't risk the future. So he traded Paul Stastny, got a first-round pick that ended up becoming Dominic Bach. Dominic Bach turned into Justin Falk. But, you know, he didn't give up this farm for a potential just-to-make-the-playoffs type of guy. And he was able to pull off the O'Reilly trade and then, you know, next year history – was made as the blues said, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, count out the blues uh, just because again, I mean, it, it's not like uh, they're ready to blow things up, but, and if Armstrong does a couple things, uh, you know, and, and now they finally are at a point where, uh, you know, they have most of their uh, players back um, and perhaps they can develop some consistency, uh, but they, they certainly have to go on a run here. Um, yeah. You know. Five one, by the way. Yeah, I heard it. I just heard the morning. So, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's a thing that like there's rumors out there that the Blues are in on Taylor Hall. I don't know if Doug Armstrong would give up what it would take to get Taylor Hall for a team that you know might not that you're well, not you're not for sure. Look at it. They have to look at it exactly like you said. Bowman was looking at it. If there's a trade in there that's going to help you now and possibly in the future, you go ahead and do it. If it's if it's a one-time shot for this year only, don't give up the farm. Yeah, you can't you, do that. You're too far out to bet it all on one play. You're, you're not you're not bringing in Ovechkin or something like that. You know, type thing. Yeah. You know, you, know, you you don't want to sell any more of the future off for another four points or something. Yeah. And you also, I mean, you have to take into consideration salary cap issues. You got the expansion draft. Uh, I mean, you know, there are a lot of factors uh, coming into play here and uh, yeah. Do you realistically think you have a shot this year? You know, is it, is it, are you just trying to make the playoffs or do you think you have a shot at the cup? And uh, yeah, you throw all that into the mix. If not, you make make trades and you take the, the shot at those younger guys and, 
you'll know by the end of this year we kind of what you got on them a little bit more better than you do now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you keep building for next year at this point. And like you said, the Hawks aren't going to get even if Lincoln he goes on a, on a big run or something. Yeah, they're not going to knock out two, you know, two to three between. No. Yeah. Florida, Carolina, and Carolina Tampa. Carolina and, and yeah. Tampa Bay. No, it's not going to happen. No, not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, if, if I were to tell you there's guys that if I thought the Blues would make moves, it'd be a guy for like from Buffalo named Sam Reinhart, who's 23 years old, and he's been in the NHL since he's 18 and might be a little tired of the Buffalo Sabres way. Um just like Jack Eichel is, or a defenseman out of Anaheim named Josh Manson. It's younger guys that could be big impact guys, but have, you know, aren't as much of a rental as Taylor Hall, who obviously signed a one-year deal for a reason because he wants to always have that option now of being able to get out like he is at Buffalo. But but I think that'll about wrap this one up. Yeah. We'll, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff coming up between the playoffs and the, two, the trade deadline and the draft. What's another week going to bring us? And yeah. Yeah. We should probably talk about the Bulls next week, too, uh, with their uh, recent trades. And, uh, yeah, we'll let, we'll let Matt lead that one. Yeah. Sounds good. Give me a head start so I can actually research so I don't sound like a blabbering uh, <laughs> imbecile that probably fills most of sports talk radio anyways. <laughs> Uh-oh. So- I, I don't know if it's what it's like in St. Louis, but the thing that disappoints me about talk radio here, the scoring stuff, you can't listen after 6 o'clock unless all you're listening for is gambling. No, because uh, it's not legal here. Oh, uh, Sports what, the, the scores turned in and they've shuffled the crews around. Yeah. From six o'clock on, every yeah. discussion is about, you know, the over-under. Uh, uh, see, but like stuff. It, it's I shut it off. I don't listen to it. Yeah. It, it bores me. They kind of mix that in a little bit with just like joking here in St. Louis, but it's not a it's not a show because they can't uh well if they pass legal gambling, know. let me tell you what's coming. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, 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 like you can't, it's unlistenable. It really is. There's, there's no new news. There's no, it's strictly, you know, even if it's a losing team, they're, they're winning money on losing teams in other cities. Mm-hmm. I mean, who cares? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, there's no news there. There's no story there. Well, beyond that, I know in St. Louis that the talk radio, it's very intelligent conversation and, uh, you know, usually insightful commentary by the people who call in. Um, yeah, you know, based on my experience, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are some, uh, you know, we get, Ooh. you get a lot of call-ins, especially like, so right now here's, here would be a prime example, right? So right now you'd get a call in from a guy who's just like, you know, I don't understand why they can't trade Zach Sanford, Robert Bortuzzo and Carl Gunnarsson to, you know, I don't know, maybe like. Pittsburgh and figure out a way to get Evgeny Malkin from them to help us out down the middle. It's like, well, sir, because there's a thing called a cap and there's a thing called value. And uh, (laughs) you're taking two seventh defensemen and a third or fourth line left winger 
and trying to get a number one center again. A Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame. Center. Not, yeah. not everybody is Buffalo taking uh, Patrick yeah, yeah. Bergwin, Vladimir Shaboka, <laughs> a first round pick, and yeah. Tage Thompson for uh, uh, All Star yeah. center Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, that's why I wouldn't hold your breath about the Blues making any uh, more deals with Buffalo. <laughs> it always seems, you know, it's like the Blues in Colorado. Yeah, or it's like the Cardinals. The in Cardinals Colorado. in Colorado, yeah. Whether it's Larry Walker for nobody, or it's uh, well, Nolan I guess Arenado for nobody. Yeah, or or the Cardinals and the A's, where they got McGuire for nobody and Matt Holiday for nobody. Those yeah. are two teams that they should probably just stop well, that's trying like to the trade Cubs, with the, the Cubs. Has that going for a while? With yeah. Pittsburgh. You know, yeah, yeah, you oh, mean yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you guys you guys weren't even giving up grade A prospects that didn't pan out like we were. The pirates were just handing you guys. Well, yeah, yeah. I think our, our Here. parents were just Here. going over the roster going, we'd like we'd like these three guys. Look. Hey, hey, we want to be your four A team. You guys can call up anybody from our team at any time. That's how that really worked. It worked really well for a number of years. Oh, it was man. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, well, I, I thought there was some sort of something going on there. It was like, man, I mean, what the yeah. the, the pirates got to be getting like some of the uh, bucks, you know? From the, the owner of the pirates just happened to be a giant Cubs fan at heart when he was a kid. That's what happened. Yeah, he wanted to help break the curse. No doubt. It works that we, we picked up some really, really good ball players over the years. But you know, my favorite fan of all time helped out with that one. God rest Steve Bartman. Steve Bartman. <laughs> if you really watch that though, like Moises Illusion just went up and just kicked his ass and it what do you yeah. what, come on, the ball was out of play. Bartman did he didn't reach into the play feel the play. Well, and the and the issue as has been discussed so many more the issue wasn't that it was that no, they botched the double play. Uh, uh, Gonzalo, uh, Gonzalez botches a double play that hits him right in the chest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. But you know what? As a Cub fan, you knew that was coming. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you knew it was coming. Yeah, at the time, it just you just knew it. You just knew. But it, it happened. Yeah. You went there. You go. Yep, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Josh Beckett was magical in Game Seven. Yeah, I remember when Beckett was all that boy. Well, injuries on him too. That Marlins team had some uh, absolute studs. Yes, Miguel Cabrera, Mm -hmm. Luis Castillo. You know what? You know what the funny thing is? Like four of those guys on that Marlins team came through King County. King, they were King County Juniors. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. Was was Renteria on that team? The left-handed no, Renteria was here in St. Louis at that time. Yeah, okay. Oh, God, I can't think of his name. Now. The Cubs owned him, and then they let him go, and he became an all-star. Lefty. Oh, it was gone on me. But, yeah, they all came through uh, when the Marlins had uh, King County Cougars for like eight or nine years. They had like a 700 winning percentage here. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they were just – yeah, they were just loaded with these guys, and they, and they moved quickly. I mean, they were single A, double A. Next thing you know, they're getting a cup of coffee and yeah, well, all stars. So here's your 2003 Marlins roster. Miguel Cabrera was in right field. Jeff Conine, Juan Encarnacion, uh, Todd Hollinsworth, and Juan Pierre. That was the rest of their outfield. Mm. Their infield was Luis Castillo, Alex Gonzalez, not the same one. Right. 
uh, Derek Lee and Mike Lowell. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, Derek Lee, yeah. <laughs> and then you had uh, Pudge behind the plate. And here's where you look at, like, Dustin. <laughs> and you say, what did you – how did you get rid of this many people? <laughs> Their rotation. Josh Beckett, A.J. Burnett, Braden Looper, Carl Pavano, Brad Penny, Dontrell Willis. Dontrell Willis is the other is the other K County yeah. And then you had uh he was a flash though. Uge, uh, a couple Uge, years though. Ur- yeah. Ur- Urbana, their closer at the time. Ugarith Urbana or however you say or, or, Urbina. Urbina, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was know. easy how they gave him. The minute their contracts came up, they let him go. Yeah, they're they traded him before it. They didn't pay anybody. Well, they traded Josh Beckett that next season, right? He was he, – or no, I guess – no, he wasn't there in 04 when they beat us, when the Red Sox ended their curse against us. But two or three years later, he was up there because he was pitching for them in 2007 as they beat the Rockies. He just couldn't stay healthy. That was the problem with him. Well, they liked their fried chicken and beer in that – Red Sox clubhouse. Yeah, they did. <laughs> During the game. <laughs> John Lackey knows all about that one. So yeah. does John Lester. Exactly. But all right, guys. We'll all talk. Right. We'll talk uh, next week. Another week brings some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. See, See you guys. Take care. Take care. Good night.